welcome to The Greatest Show on Grass. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman, and I'm joined today by Tanisha Singleton. The Greatest Show on Grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reconstituted Los Angeles Rams. That song at the opening was Charlotte Gainsbourg's Heaven Can Wait, which is the theme of today's show. As LA Times columnist Bill Plaschke put it, The Rams were our first major pro team. They were our first big crush. They were our first showtime, our first lob city. The first marriage of sport and Hollywood. The first pro team to truly love L.A. Whether the current group of Rams realize it, when they arrive in Tinseltown, they'll be following in the footsteps of Bob Waterfield, Elroy Crazy Legs Hirsch, Roman Gabriel and Deacon Jones, and for that matter, Father John Michael Murphy, Sergeant Braxton Rutledge, Sergeant Rick Hunter, and Joe Pendleton. The Rams return 70 years to the day after the team originally arrived in Los Angeles is not just the continuation of a sports franchise, it's the green lighting of a Hollywood remake. And so on this podcast, we want to go beyond game-by-game analysis, though we'll have plenty of that too, and into conversations about pop culture, politics, economics, gender, and race. The Los Angeles Rams are not just a team, they are an idea. It'll be a weird and wacky and fun ride, and we hope you'll join us. The first thing we'll do on each podcast is discuss Los Angeles Rams news, both the trending stories the internet is buzzing about, as well as obscure items. Items that might seem to lack significance or any real need for analysis, uh, but ones which uh, we are obsessed with. It's a segment we are going to call Ramdom. Today we'll talk about a pressing matter that should be on every Rams fan's mind. No, not whether the Chargers or the Raiders will be joining them in Los Angeles. Not who will be the starting quarterback in 2016. Not even the uh, which uniforms the Rams will be wearing here in Los Angeles. I'm speaking, of course, of the question of who will emerge as the Rams' celebrity mascot. So, so this is uh, what I think. Here, here's here's the criteria. First of all, I don't want someone who's just going to be in it for the sweets. The uh, the celebrity of choice has to slum it for a few years in the Coliseum. That's Eric Gardner, who's who's a friend of the show, uh, senior editor at Hollywood Reporter. What do you think, Tanisha? <laughs> it's such a good question because it bridges entertainment and sports, and it really points to all right. Well, what kind of expectations do the fans want? Yeah. You know. Yeah. And there's so much built up like momentum of a team coming to L.A. that whoever our quote, quote, spokesman is going to be celebrity wise, like that's going to hold so much weight. It just feels like a big deal. Like it can't just be like in St. Louis, like the celebrity mascot, I guess, was Nelly. Kind of. Uh, He's got the St. Louis thing. Yeah. You can't have like a Nelly uh, type. Did he ever go to games? Like I don't remember ever seeing him like. I'm Rams. He's yeah. just like so St. Lunatics. That's his thing. So I'd assume like he was, you know, Rams guy. But I never really saw him like waving that Rams flag like Snoop does for the Steelers, like Ice Cube does for the Raiders because he shot that down yeah. quick on yeah. social media. As soon as the Rams announced like, hey, we're back. We're coming home to L.A. Instantly on Twitter, he photoshopped like a Raiders helmet in him. He's like, don't even look at me, fam. It's not me. Like, I am still Raiders. Yeah. I'm L.A., but it's still Raiders. Like, that's his. And he's probably right. I mean, would you even want Ice Cube? I mean, it, it would eh. make for a great news story if he like, you know, 
got rid of all of his Raiders swag and became, yeah. became a Rams fan. That would know? be a big deal, but mm-hmm. I don't know. They'd have to like Photoshop like 20 years worth of him and NWA videos yep. and everything of him wearing, you know, nothing but Raiders gear. Yeah. But I kind of feel like the celebrity mascot for the Rams should like, or I don't know if it's possible, but I would love the person to be from Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Um, it, lim- it limits our like, options. <laughs> yeah. If we're just like, all right, you got to be in this radius, uh, you know, of the new stadium. Yeah. Like, what other criteria do you think you have? Cause you're the 30 year long Rams yeah, yeah, fan, yeah. right? Yep, yep. So who, maybe we can narrow this down. Who would offend you as a long-term long diehard Rams fan? Like yeah. who, what celebrity mascot would offend well, you? I think or you not accept. I, I think <sighs> the process of elimination. Yeah. I mean, there are some, Oh goodness. Here, here, there are two elephants in the room. I feel like, um, one is ice cube, right? Mm-hmm. Because he's so identified with the team yeah. and he's such an icon and here in Los anti- Angeles. Yeah. I mean, but, and he's done in, in a lot of ways, the Raiders have done a lot for his image Absolutely. and a lot of ways he's done a ton for the Absolutely. Raiders image. Cause by and, affiliation alone, if you're a cube fan, you're going to adopt everything that he loves, mm-hmm. you know, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I think the other one is Nicholson, you know, Jack Nicholson has sort of, you know, I mean, I I don't know that there is a celebrity more closely identified with any team, Mm -hmm. forget LA, any team than Nicholson. I mean, I guess Spike Lee and the Knicks. I I don't know who else, where else you could go, uh, you know, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck and like Red Sox. I have no, you know, Mm -hmm. who... Billy Jay-Z. Crystal. Yeah, for the Yankees. Yeah. Yeah, Billy Crystal with the Clippers. And Yankees, I guess. But Billy but I don't wouldn't yeah, I mean I think Nicholson, like who can be the Rams Jack Nicholson? Who's gonna sit at the fifty yeah. yard line come win or lose? Like getting the fans excited. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, My, it would be cool if they were a little bit younger than Jack Nicholson. <laughs> that that yeah. would be, I think, preferred. Yeah. Um, someone that could appeal to both demographics. The older one that knew of the Rams here over 20 years ago and can ap- still have, you know, appeal to the millennials and the new fans that are going to start appearing. Yep. My first go-to was Shaq. Right. It was Shaquille O'Neal just because I think he's that polarizing figure. He's highly recognizable. He's crossed over into every aspect of entertainment a little bit. And he has that mass appeal and he's a giant mascot in and of himself. You know what I mean? He's just so fun loving and he has ties to LA, even though I believe he's not officially or, you know, originally from here, but he's... He's getting a statue outside of Staples later this year. He's getting his jersey. His jersey's already up there. He's recognized in L.A. So I think he would be somebody that's good. Here's my issue with Shaq. I just feel like my issue with Shaq is the same issue I have with Magic, Mm -hmm. who sort of... Uh, positioned himself as a front runner for this like much unofficially ballyhooed like um honor i mean magic was has been tweeting non-stop. about the rams nonstop. he was the first uh first person to leave a deposit i mean this was a pr style. i don't think he was you know uh, t- uh hitting refresh on his computer mm-hmm. the way i was but he was the first um uh, rams fan to leave a deposit for season tickets or a deposit to be online for season tickets yeah. um he was on uh the tonight show uh and he was sitting next to peyton manning trying to like kind of um 
convince Peyton to come back one more year <laughs> and uh, and play for the Rams. You know, so I think. But I, my issue is, yeah, he's associated with a team already. Magic's actually associated with two teams already: the the Lakers and the Dodgers. Um, Shaq, yeah, I mean, he's. It's tough. I would maybe this is just my personal preference. Um, since I guess there's no reason why a sub celebrity mascot can't have dual allegiances, but sure. my preference is that the person only be associated with one team. Mm-hmm. Um, my, you know, Nicholson might have other favorites, but like you, you only know. think Lakers, mm-hmm. Jay Z, you only think Yankees, mm-hmm. Ice Cube, you only, I think you only really think maybe Kings. I know, and I mean. Yeah, and Shaq being partial owner of the Kings now too, so it's a little bit weird. But um, the other thing too, I was think, trying to think outside of athletes. Yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. like we got no, Shaq, we got Magic. You know, and it doesn't necessarily have to be that way because you know it, Drake for the Toronto Raptors, mm-hmm. insane. Like he's a cheerleader for, and he's getting criticism for it too because it's almost considered bandwagon. Like he shows up at Duke games, he shows up at Kentucky games. It's like, wait, so what, who are, you know what I mean? So there's good and bad to uh, some of the celebrity mascot, depending on like who it's going to be because the perception of it from fans, is like, all right, are you just bandwagon? And LA is already associated with just bandwagon fans. Good point. Good so point. As, if whoever this is going to be, I mean, are, are they going to, have a negative impact on the Rams brand image coming here because they're, you know, riding the coattail of headlines right now because it's a hot topic. But I look at, you know, for me, I look at somebody like Macklemore in yeah. Seattle and mm-hmm. I think you can get a, I doubt Macklemore. I could be wrong. Uh, forgive me, Macklemore, if <laughs> I'm uh, speaking out of line, but I doubt he was like, rooting for Jim Zorn, like growing up, you know, like I think he probably jumped on the Seattle bandwagon, but he's so Mm -hmm. seamlessly integrated his celebrity, Mm -hmm. his star power with the team. Mm -hmm. Um, Whether it's like, you know, uh, you know, his music after touchdowns or performing at games or pep rallies, it, it just feels so authentic. It's not a, you know, he's not just going there to be seen. I think yeah. that's a big part of this. Like Absolutely. who's going to like give something back. Who's Absolutely. not just going to take something from the, from the, you know. They're not the, doing this for themselves necessarily. This yeah. is like sincere passion and that they're wanting to help unite, you know, the, the fans and stuff. That's why I think outside of, of sports would be preferred somebody in music, somebody in acting or entertainment. Um, Although Kendrick Lamar, who's from Compton, so it's not far from Inglewood. Right. So it's it's local. It meets that. It can check that off as in terms of a requirement. And I definitely would want someone that can, you know, perform, help get a song, get the fans rolled up. You know what I mean? He's relevant the same way that Macklemore is relevant. He's relevant the same way that like NWA was what was relevant when, you know, they were touting the Raiders, even though I think. Yeah, it's that that anti- uh, oppression it's that it's that very aggressive brash in your face we don't care what you're going to say it's that archetype and it's that like brand of the raiders so and you know ice, ice cube and nwa adopted that so it's like what's the rams brand image that they're going to do here that a celebrity mascot could kind of adopt right. now we don't even know though that kendrick is a football like that's the one right. problem we, right. we don't he know might like golf we're taking some liberties here yeah yeah, yeah he yeah. may be yeah. so pro like bubba a, yeah you know yeah. but fuzzy seller yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, he could be all over. That's a guy, right? right That's a golfer, right? I just like saying fuzzy Zeller. It should be if it's not. Yeah. But yeah, it's, 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 it's such an interesting question because then I'm starting to think, all right, well, who, who's voting on this? You know what I mean? Cause I think a celebrity mascot is authentic. Like they don't. Well, I feel like you and I are pretty much voting on it. Yeah. I don't know that anyone's <laughs> in our imaginary right Rams universe. Our here. ballad. We should definitely take a Twitter you know, poll on I feel on like this or people something. are angling. It's not just magic. I think I feel like. You it's know, organic. You, you've noticed happens. like a lot of people on social media, like. Flea was like kind of yeah. has been out on about all about the Rams. Uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine mm-hmm. has been tweeting about this. Becky G, who's from Inglewood, very true, um, and youthful and increasingly relevant. Fact, um, Inglewood, Inglewood. <laughs> uh, and um, you know, I got I, I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't mention Ty Burrell, who very true. If you're worried about Band, the bandwagon issue. Yeah. He's been with St. Louis. He was rooting for St. Louis. Like of all these people, Magic wasn't rooting for, no. you know, Marshall Falk and the St. Louis Rams. Ty no. Burrell's been with them for years and years. So I feel kind of funny. It's not like necessarily the sexiest choice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't think anyone's going to confuse Ty Burrell for Jack Nicholson no. uh, in terms of star power. But he deserves a nod. He deserves I think so. to be on the. He's an honorable mention. Honorable mention. I agree. I mean, I think about the stadium, right? Right. Who's going to be believable in that stadium as mm-hmm. like, who's going to be able to live up to, we're talking about essentially the eighth wonder of the world, like the yeah. greatest stadium on the planet. 80,000 seats, some $2 billion yeah. worth investment. This is what the Disneyland of football. So I'm thinking, so what if we went to who, what if we just went down the list? Who has the most star power in Hollywood? What if like, could Jennifer Lawrence, for instance, like, mm-hmm. can you get any cooler than that? Like who's believable in that? You're talking, we're talking about casting somebody for a role, right? Pretty who, much. Like does Ty Burrell sit in that stadium as the celebrity, as the symbol for, is he going to get the fans more excited about being there? Right. Because. The, or is that going to be a little bit of a like. A push. Yeah. A little bit of a stretch. Because what could also happen is if the Rams go off, you know, and make the playoffs and and make a little run here, the celebrity mascot could benefit from the Rams success and boost Ty or whoever else's appeal. You know what I mean? So it can kind of work both ways. Whoever this organic mascot can be can help the Rams image and vice versa. Let me give you. How about this? I'm going to run down some possibilities for you. Okay. And you give them a grade, A, B, C, D, okay. F. Um, we already did Kendrick Lamar. Uh, I give him an A. Tyra Banks mm. from Inglewood, not associated with any team or sport. I don't or think. sport, uh, other than Sports Illustrated, but that doesn't really True. count. Um, the Rams played in bikinis. She would get an A, but for right. her current that uh, C, C. Uh, okay, Kevin Hart, right? Oh God, don't know that he's associated with any team yet. Uh, don't know that he's necessarily a sports fan. He is from Pennsylvania. Um, he's from Mars, but he reminds me a lot of like the original Rams mascot, Bob Hope, <laughs> Bob Hope. You know, like corny jokes that everybody seems to like. Great in buddy movies. Um, it's. I feel like he could believably um, 
it's sit on that stage. Absolutely. It's brilliant on paper, but just me personally, like he has that bandwagon appeal, I think, because he shows up everywhere. Okay. Like everywhere yeah. there is Kevin Hart. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think he has like a, a squad, but he's extremely close with Chris Paul. So I see him at every Clipper game damn near. And he and Chris Paul are doing something for the all-star game um, in Toronto this weekend. But so it's, he's kind of bandwagony, but it, in terms of a grade, it's brilliant on paper because he has that appeal and everyone knows his face. Um, so I'd give him, I'd give him an, a minus. Whoa. All right. Yeah. Wow. Cause it's, it, yeah, it makes sense. Cool. Um, my next one was, uh, so, and so I'll say the name and then I'll make my pitch and then you give me a <laughs> Okay. So Seth Rogen, right? Seth Rogen, um, not sure even like sports per se, but I feel like mm-hmm. the, we're trying to make the case that the Rams transcend sports. True. He's also been trying to get into like more serious roles. And I feel like this, this is a really serious role in a lot of ways. <laughs> um, and yeah, I don't know. I mean, how would you feel about that? C plus C plus C plus more than Tyra, less than Kevin Hart and Kendrick, but I see where you're going. He's also Canadian, which is he like, would be like that normally random, a, a bonus, but in this case, I think it's a strike against him. Probably. I think you're right in that aspect. Uh, C plus. So, okay. Here's one. If we really wanted to go the Nicholson route. Okay. Um, Robert Evans, former head of Paramount, you know, legendary Hollywood producer, Chinatown, Rosemary's baby, the Godfather. Um, in terms of, that there's no bandwagon risk right? because he was actually a Rams fan back in the day. There's this great, and you can Google this is great NFL network uh, commercial from a few years back with like celebrities kind of riffing on their all time favorite player. And he goes on this, like it's, it's brilliant. Robert Evans of all the players you would, who would you think Robin, Robert Evans, like favorite player of all time. You'd think, I don't know, Ken Stabler, somebody like mm-hmm. kind of saucy and, and cheeky and mm-hmm. um, edgy. His favorite all-time player was Merlin Olson. <laughs> That's right. Um, Merlin Olson, Robert Evans. Uh, I feel like he almost like it, he, it's, it's like a wink to Nicholson, but like he was like Nicholson's boss in a way. That's, like, yeah. Uh, this is a way to like reference that in a sense, like we don't want to be as, biggest showtime mm-hmm. we were the original showtime right and this will be showtime 2.0 with the return and then whole you know the coming Ooh. back thing showtime so, 2.0 you should showtime trademark 2.0. you think uh a before pat thing. riley uh trademarks he, that you right? should yeah. <laughs> we could get robert evans on that's like hey man cut me some cut me a, a nickel every time you say that but i'd give him the only thing i'm worried about is if people have to Google who that is, like the millennials, yeah, because we've talked about this spectrum of Rams fans, the 30 years to 30 day thing. So the 30 day, the millennials, the younger generation who are just going to adopt this because now it's something to do in LA for the first time in their lives. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, who's this old white guy? Yeah. And I'm afraid that that, that might not, he might not appeal what's your to grade? them. Okay. What's your grade? But I'd give him like a, a, a if there was a one A and a one B, yeah. he'd get the one B. Okay. Wait, but. But so, but overall, just him by himself, solo, uh, B minus. B minus. Yeah. Gotcha. You More still like him better than Tyra. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tyra's last. Um, so in terms of old white guy, here's the, <laughs> here's the antidote, the opposite of the op- old famous white guy. Um, semi obscure <laughs> young black guy. Okay. Ready? Eric Andre as Ram's mascot. So instead of, so it's like sort of going, you know how I was like, my, my argument for Jennifer Lawrence was like, you got this huge stage. You need somebody with star power. That's believable. Um, on that stage, right. who, who, who can stand on that stage and not be engulfed by it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and still psych you up for, for yeah. being there. Right. So they're cheering along with yeah. you and that only makes things feel more exciting milk only makes you as a fan feel, you know, more validated for essentially putting, you know, all of your, right. And not soaking it up just for himself. Yep. Mm -hmm. All your, so Eric Andre is the opposite. Yeah. So he just sort of, he can like, he takes the piss out of the whole thing. He sort of like, just sort of makes a a mockery of the whole idea of the giant stage. Mm-hmm. He, and he's like goofing around he like it's a little a little bit like the will, will ferrell fun. at the yeah. at laker games you know but he's like goofing around with the cheerleaders he's leading the team out of the the out of the right. tunnel holding when the they holding the flag knocking shit over mm-hmm. breaking through sets um i like that he's a good hype man he's a great hype man good and good hype i man. feel like he you know sort of your He's Rah. only he's only going to become a bigger star yeah right we've got three years before we go to the so it's good timing so i feel like yeah I like it. Yeah. The more you convince me, I like it. B plus. B plus. So wait, B who's plus. leading the way still? So right now it's Kendrick got an A. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's not bad. Cool. Let's see if I, did I have any others? Did any pop into my, you know what? I mean, there's the obvious one. I mean, I think no one's mentioned this Warren. one. Warren. Warren. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I knew right? you were, but I was waiting for Warren. Yeah. I mean, old white guy. Yes. <laughs> but like Warren Beatty. But old classic cool white dude and no one's gonna accuse that guy of jumping on the bandwagon no he's probably the most famous ram in history um so i yeah that's talk about him a little bit later in the show Mm. but um what um no bandwagon issue none uh has the old ties new tie everything coming back cool cool as shit you know like yeah. just like not going to embarrass you not any, corny not he's corny. just captivating everyone knows who he is and i feel like he's not like not only is he not a bandwagon guy he's not like a rah rah guy so if yeah. he does scream and cheer it's a big fucking holy deal. crap it's holy a big crap. deal you show that on the whatever the jumbotron or whatever it is if he stands up yeah everybody's gonna stand up so i a minus i like warren I think that's a good one. So I guess, you know, I haven't chimed in, but I kind of agree with you in this respect. I think. Who are your A's? Look, if I'm Stan Kroenke or if I'm, um, you know, running corporate communications for the Rams right now, I think I'm giving Kendrick a call. I mm-hmm. think I'm, I think he's my number one choice. Um, if you're listening, Kendrick. Um, yeah. Make I a hype song. I know that's pretty. Likely. You got like six months. Yeah. Make a hype song. Seriously. Like get on it. Make a mixtape. Release it. Sell it at car washes. And Venice Beach. And, and let's put and Macklemore let's in his place. That 
was Michael Jackson's Heaven Can Wait off his 2001 Invincible album. Today we're playing various songs with the title Heaven Can Wait, the theme of today's show. On each episode, we'll feature one special guest, and we've got some incredible and improbable ones lined up for you. This week, as we explore the Rams' return to Los Angeles, we wanted to get the perspective of someone who's actually played for the team here in Southern California, and so we welcome two-time pro bowler and former lockdown cornerback Leroy Irving to The Greatest Show on Grass. Thanks for joining us, Leroy. That's no problem. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? Awesome. Good. Thank you for the time. We're really glad to have you on. Um, How... Has the return of the Rams affected your life? It, it, it made me somebody again. And, you know, it, it just, you know, brought back the excitement of the city. You know, now that we have a team, it's almost like losing your girlfriend back in 1994. You know, you went away with, with that experience, crying and sad, never knowing if she's ever going to come back. And then all of a sudden, one day, she pops up again and all is forgiven and you're just glad she's back. How do you think life is going to be different for the guys on the Rams um, who are coming from St. Louis uh, and, and, and moving to LA. Oh man, they just hit a home run because uh, we were just talking about the other day and myself and Ron Brown about, you know, after the games, you know, the players used to go to certain places after the game to celebrate the win or, you know, drink their, drink their losses away. But the players now have so many options. They can go to Hollywood, you know, Beverly Hills, Long Beach, Marina Del Rey, Santa Monica. There's so many places for these guys to go, and their lives are going to be so much more different in Los Angeles than it ever was in St. Louis because of all the things that are that are out there available to them. Stan Kroenke uh, definitely spends his money a whole lot differently than uh, the former Rams owner. How did the team spending habits affect the your group in the 80s? Well, you know, it was a different it was a different business model for the NFL owners. There was no salary cap and there was no free agency. So I guess when you're in business you have to play by the rules that you're given. And given that fact, I think Georgia and John did a great job uh, you know, of you know from a business standpoint. There was no salary cap, players had no leverage, so if I played out my contract, which I did a couple of times, I had no leverage to move anywhere, so I had to accept whatever the Rams willing to give me. Now in this era, Stan Kroenke can only pay a certain amount of money out. I think the salary cap is 120 million or something like that. So he can't pay a dime over 120 million and he can't really pay a dime less than 120 million. So in that aspect, all the teams are on equal footing, you know, as far as getting free agents, keeping players and stuff. Um, You know, Stan, you know, he, he, he has a bunch of money, so he'll be able to do maybe do a little nicer things, for the players as far as how they travel, where they stay, what they eat, and things of that nature. But, you know, we have nothing but love for, for Georgia, you know, God rest her soul. And, you know, John Shaw has been a friend of mine and Eric's ever since the days we battled for our contract. So we love John Shaw as well. So, you know, in fact, John Shaw, he, you know, he does things, a lot of things behind the scenes, but he donates to Eric Dickerson and I do a free football and cheer camp at Camp Pendleton every year. And John Shaw donates five to ten thousand dollars every year anonymously. So that's the kind of guy he is, and we love him, and we don't blame him for 
for following for being a good businessman. Well, he's not anonymous anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you touched a little bit ago about the culture of LA and all the distractions that players can can have, especially you know in this big city and under the lights. What advice would you give players now? Because I think those distractions in today's day and age is even more amplified. So, if you could give any advice to the current roster um, when they get ready to move over here, what advice would you give them in terms of limiting those distractions and what they can prepare for? Well, I would just my my thing with them would be, uh, you know, like George Orwell, you know, Big Brother's watching. So, whatever you do, just expect everybody's going to know you did it. So. If you want them to know, do it. If you don't want them to know, don't do it. So just be real careful, especially in L.A. with all the media. You know, St. Louis probably has three or four media outlets. You know, we got three or four hundred. I mean, everybody has some type of radio show, TV show, blog, or whatever, just fans posting on Facebook now with Facebook and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. The players have to be very, very careful about what they're doing and who they associate with and what they're seen doing and not doing. So in terms of uh, being careful about what you do and your public perception, um, I hope you don't mind, but I, I wanted to um, play a clip from a certain rap video from 1986. You might remember <laughs> this one. Yes, man. I, I think so. The name. I cover the corner. There's something in my game. Yeah, that was that was my rapping debut. I thought I was gonna get some offers from that, you know, maybe some television, some radio, you know, because I was kind of cool on that. You know, I was kind of cool back in the eighties. You were cool no, that now, was sharp. You know. What um? What do you remember for the, that? Would of course was uh. That's the the Ramit video that's been uh, uh. All of a sudden resurfaced. Everybody's happy. It's turned in a, into a quasi anthem for uh the team's return. What do you remember from the day that you returned it? That sorry. That what do you remember from the day that you uh, recorded that? That we never got a dime. <laughs> we never got one nickel and. To make it so bad, we're heading to a. I think we're going to the playoff game against the Bears for the NFC Championship game, and they had us filming that thing all night long. We had practice. We left practice about five o'clock in the afternoon or four o'clock, and then we filmed until about one or two in the morning. Had to go to practice the next day and then fly out to go to Chicago. So that's what I remember about it. We didn't get paid, and it was a big distraction. Did you write your, I mean, I've always wanted to know this. Um, did you, did someone write your lyrics or did you compose them on your own? Well, I like to say I'm a musical genius, but actuality is someone, you know, gave us a script. We practiced it, you know, all night and uh, it was, it was given to me. And I guess the writers must've wrote uh, about my career because I did, I, I, I scored more than anybody else on the D. That is true. But but were you, in fact, because I, I watched that team pretty closely. I don't remember anyone calling you uh, Iceman. Were, was that, a, was the, I mean, I know George Gervin was called the Iceman. Were, was that was that really your nick, or were you just a fan of the no, Eugene O'Neill play? That was, that, that was just, uh, that was the writers wrote it, and I just sung it. But, you know, Doug Reed, a good friend of mine, used to call me Crutch Cargo. So that was my name. And his name is Chuck Rucker. So my name was Clutch Cargo, but they, they didn't put that in there. Well, thank you for uh, for, for joining us. Um, I guess I, one thing we've been talking about here on the show um, that I w- was hoping you'd chime in here, there, there's this sense that um, 
for, for whether it's true or false, that LA didn't support the Rams the last time they were here and that that's why they left. Um, as a player, at least in Anaheim from 1980 to 1989, did you, did you feel supported when you played here? I felt supported, uh, you know, by the fans. You know, the Ram, the Ram fans are great fans. They supported us well. You know, our problem was 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 behind the scenes stuff. You know, like like the stadium in Anaheim. You know, we we used to buy tickets, and our tickets were up in the corner in the nosebleed. Our our, fan, our friends couldn't even hardly see the game. The stadium was terrible. It was a terrible football stadium. You could you couldn't sell all the luxury boxes. They all had obscured views. The seats were had obscured views. It was a bad place to have football, and you know everyone gets mad at Georgia for moving. But you know if if we were if, if they would have built her a stadium in L.A. or Orange County, she would have stayed. But the deal she got in St. Louis, how could any sane person say they wouldn't have took that deal? She got control of the team. Dan Crony gave her three hundred million dollars, so she had money in her pocket. The city gave her fifty million dollars, built her a brand new stadium, brand new uh, practice facility. And she got part of concessions and parking. In Anaheim Stadium, the Rams got zero parking, zero concessions. All they got was ticket sales and luxury boxes. So we're the, they weren't, we weren't in the best business situation in, in Orange County when, when the Rams were here. And Georgia had to make that move to St. Louis. Otherwise, she'd have lost millions of dollars. Um, for this first year coming up with the Rams coming back, what expectation do you think they – or what, what – how will they have to perform this first year coming out? You know, the thing about sports is, you know, everybody can't win. I mean, as, as good as every team is, everybody can't win. The fans need to realize that. You know, they can wish and hope and pray all they want to, but you, you don't always, you don't win every year. Like like the Seattle Seahawks, they're going through an upswing now. They've been winning the last six or seven, six years. They've been doing doing well. But what happens before that? They weren't doing that well. So teams rise and they go down. They rise and they go down. And fans got to stick with their team when they're up, and they got to stick with them when they're down. So the Rams coming in, they're going to they're gonna be competitive in the NFC West. They'll be competitive. We have a young team. All we need is a few more pieces, and I think we'll be fine. But to say we're going to win the Super Bowl next year is a little far-fetched. But I, I do think that we'll, we will make the playoffs, and we will be a competitive team, and the fans need to build on that. And then this is go from there. Last question. You, you referenced the, the young team. Which of the players you think are most suited for the, the, the Hollywood stage? Well, you know, I think, uh, you know, her, uh, Gurley, he's, he's, he's a, a, a nice kid. I've talked to him a, a bunch of times. He seems like he has a good head on his shoulder. Uh, you know, uh, I think there are quite a few. Tim McDonald, he's been there before. He's been to SC, so he understands the L.A. vibe. I think he's going to help a lot of the other players get accustomed to, to Los Angeles. I think with, with Jeff Fisher, you know, being from SC and from around here, he's going to help the players get acclimated to this to this uh, environment. But uh, you know, uh, it's going to be it's going to be all hands on deck, and, and the players are going to have to be ready for the, the media the media scrutiny that they're going to endure while being in Los Angeles. Well, thanks for joining us, Leroy. Um, it was a real pleasure to have the pers- uh, perspective of someone that, that wore the Rams uniform about the return. Um, we'll, uh, we'll be in touch and we'll be, uh, hopefully we'll see you in Oxnard next summer. Uh, you will see me there definitely, Joshua. Thank you for your time. The Iceman cometh. That was Leroy Irvin, uh, former Rams lockdown cornerback, joining us on The Greatest Show on Grass. Uh, have it 
Said we live a fast life like every day I was stacking in my past, trying to better my ways Better my days, can't eat off minimum wage That was ASAP Mob member ASAP 12 with, you guessed it, Heaven Can Wait. It's time now for our final segment, which we call Film Study, when we dissect an episode or scene from a film or TV show that prominently features Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we'll be chronicling on our greatest show on Grass Tumblr. The St. Louis Rams team of 1999 won a Super Bowl. But who can forget the last time the Los Angeles Rams won a Super Bowl, 1978, even if it was only in the movies? This week, I decided to rewatch Heaven Can Wait and re-experience Warren Beatty's Joe Pendleton leading the Rams to a champagne-soaked victory. The story begins when an overeager angel sends Joe Pendleton on his way to heaven before he actually died, placing the Rams' signal caller on a divinely ordained, physically unable-to-perform list. Pendleton spends much of the film invisible to his former friends and inside the body of mysterious billionaire Leo Farnsworth. As Farnsworth, Pendleton goes so far as to purchase the Rams just so he can get himself a tryout. Here's the scene in which Pendleton, in the body of Farnsworth, tries to work his way onto the squad. The first voice you will hear is Farnsworth's personal secretary and nemesis, Tony Abbott, played by Charles Grodin, being interviewed by a reporter during Farnsworth's tryout. Mr. Leo Farnsworth intends to take the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl this season as their quarterback. No sign of any collaboration of any kind. Little nothing, nothing is personal life, anything bothering him. I think the statement speaks for itself. Buying his way into a tryout and then earning a spot on the team is a far-fetched scheme, and it doesn't work. But thankfully for moviegoers and podcasters who don't appreciate the difference between movies and real life, uh, Pendleton does finally find his way back onto the Rams, entering the body of his own replacement, Tom Jarrett, who's fatally injured on the field. And you thought today's team had problems at quarterback. Heaven Can Wait might boast the highest RQ, that's Rams quotient, of any other film in Hollywood history, with ex-Rams Les Josephson, Jack Snow, and Deacon Jones donning uniforms and joining Beatty on the field blurring the line between reality and fantasy. The film quickly took on magical qualities, and I'm not just talking about box office receipts. When real Rams quarterback Pat Hayden went down with an injury in the middle of the 1979 season and was replaced by backup Vince Ferragamo, people started whispering about the then two-year-old movie. And when Ferragamo led the Rams all the way to the Super Bowl, art seemed to truly imitate life. Here's a clip from 1979 in which sportscaster Jane Kennedy even got Warren Beatty to address the magic. By the way, that sound effect at the end is synced with a hard cut of Beatty appearing in the room out of nowhere. It was the kind of story only a Hollywood screenwriter could dream up. The funny thing was, a Hollywood screenwriter already had. Warren Beatty's new comedy, Heaven Can Wait, is chock full of magical moments. Hello. (laughs) Yes. The comparison between Heaven Can Wait and the Rams' fortunes wasn't lost on Ferragamo himself. It was so similar to to what actually transpired on the field. It's the same story. The same story as as what happened in 1979. The quarterback comes in, wasn't playing. All of a sudden he starts... The team changes, starts to 
feel real good about themselves. Back to throw, Bergamo steps inside the pressure, fires up the left side. As I look at the movie, I go, is that me or is that us? What is your opinion of the Rams this season? What's my opinion? Mm -hmm. I think they're going to win it. Are you impressed by the way that they play? Oh, yeah. That was Beatty at the end, seemingly less interested in the Rams than in Jane Kennedy, but he is forgiven. Unfortunately, Heaven had to wait another 20 years for the Rams to win a Super Bowl, as they were defeated 31-19 by the Pittsburgh Steelers in Super Bowl fourteen. But when that time finally did come, it seemed to be foretold by Heaven Can Wait. Instead of Pat Hayden going down with an injury, it was Trent Green. Instead of Vince Ferragamo, it was Kurt Warner entering as a replacement. According to Sports Illustrated, on the night of the Rams' victory over the Tennessee Titans in Super Bowl thirty-four. Warner reminisced about watching Heaven Can Wait as an eight-year-old growing up in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. He doesn't remember much, wrote SI, the accident, a couple of football scenes, and the ending when Beatty gets the girl. That final scene is perfect. The Rams have won the big game, and Beatty, the hero, is the last player to leave the locker room when Julie Christie approaches. She sees something special about him, then it registers. You're the quarterback, she says. Here's the final scene they're describing, and if it doesn't give you goosebumps, please stop listening to this podcast and immediately start rooting for the 49ers. Uh, I was going to meet a bunch of people. You know, we're having a big party and everything, and uh, I'm a little late. Oh, I'm sorry. No, 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 no. no. Uh, What I mean is all of a sudden I don't feel like going to a big party. And and, uh, I thought maybe if, I mean... You want to have a cup of coffee or something? Well, I guess not. You're the quarterback. Yeah. How'd you know that? Yes, I'd love to have a cup of coffee with you. The scene trails into the film's Dave Grusin score as Pendleton, now in the body of Tom Jarrett, and Christie's Betty Logan walk off towards a football field, and the credits roll. For 21 years, Heaven Can Wait has been the perfect metaphor for the Rams' Los Angeles legacy, present in spirit, but absent from reality. But now that the Rams have returned, the final scene of the film seems to have acquired a new meaning. Though mysterious billionaire Stan Kroenke was hardly driven by loyalty or love, He's a cutthroat capitalist, after all. He has, however inadvertently, brought the Los Angeles Rams back from the dead. You're the quarterback. I've watched that scene a hundred times. Sometimes it seems like Christie is saying it to Joe Pendleton, other times Vince Ferragamo or Kurt Warner, but when I watch it now, I think of the mustachioed mogul Kroenke. Before you call me crazy, remember that it was billionaire Farnsworth who Christie's character had fallen in love with. Even she thinks she's talking to a Rams owner. But I also think of all the diehard Rams fans here in Los Angeles whose unwavering support of their team had no small share to do with the NFL's decision to grant the team permission to return, as well as the new Rams fans whose future support the team is counting on, 
you are the quarterback. Oh, and that football field that Warren Beatty and Julie Christie walk off onto as the credits roll? That's the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum, where the Rams will be playing next year. Thank you for listening to the first episode of The Greatest Show on Grass. Follow us on Twitter at LA Rams Podcast or email us at greatestshowongrass at gmail.com. 